Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Welcome. We're so happy that you're here with us today. And we have a show that you really, really are going to um, resonate with if you have gone through and met and confronted cancer in your life, and so many of us have. So our guest today has written this really powerful book of his journey. Do you know that in 2016 that it was estimated that 1,685,210 new cases of cancer would be diagnosed in just the United States. 595,690 people will die from the disease. The number of new cases of cancer is 454.8 per 100,000 men and women per year. Now, this was based on figures gathered between 2008 and 2012. And the reason I cited that for you is that I think we all know the numbers, the many numbers, but sometimes are overwhelmed when we actually hear the numbers that touch people all over the world. And as I said, many of us have family members or friends that have been touched by the disease. I, too, earlier this year, was touched by breast cancer. As of June, I was, I'm clear of the disease. But it, it really affects so many people in this world. So, our guest today is an extra special guy because he is part of the radio and TV industry. And it's so interesting that he'll share with us where his cancer was in his body and why he felt so compelled to read this, to write this story. Barry Eaton is a well-known radio and TV presenter, author, and journalist, spending most of his career at ABC and various commercial stations in Sydney, Australia. He is also an astrologer, a medium, and psychic intuitive. And Radio Out is his interactive internet radio program where he allows his guests to share their metaphysical knowledge to the world. Because he is an acclaimed writer and loves writing, he was compelled to put his journey uh, into words. And so he wrote, The Joy of Living, Postponing the Afterlife. Barry shares in this personal journey of his 
the battle with the cancer trying to kill him. He confronts the fears surrounding surrounding this dreaded diagnosis, and Barry unfolds his story with personal insights from his partner, Anne, and his son, Matt, as they support him through the journey. So it's not just about Barry, but also those closest to him, around him during his time of his battle with cancer. So, Barry, I welcome you to the show today. We're really anxious to hear why you wrote the book and all of the other facts that you want to share with us. Oh, great. Thank you, Joyce. Lovely to be here. All the way from well, Australia. All the way from Australia is right. And it's 9 o'clock over there, and we're 5 in the United States. So it's go. quite we'll a difference. It's amazing, amazing what we can do. Okay, now (laughs) tell me why. I know, I know some of the shock. I've been reading the book, and I. Why did you want to put this story into a book? I mean, why? Okay, well, it's a bit of a long story there, Joyce. But basically, uh, I'd already written a couple of books and had them published about the afterlife, afterlife, and then following up, you know, goodbyes. Um, So. When I had the diagnosis, the initial diagnosis of cancer, I was not sure exactly what I wanted to do from then on. And mm-hmm. being a person who is more into the alternative and holistic side of, uh, of life, as opposed mm-hmm. to the mainstream medical, I was, of course, my first thought was, okay, well, that's it. You're not going to get me near hospitals and everything like that. I had to have, go in and have a surgery to have the tumor removed from my throat. And then after mm-hmm. that, a couple of other operations to uh, take out a cancerous thyroid. But I mm-hmm. had all this great controversy in my mind. Well, what do I do? And where do I go from here? So being uh, an ardent meditator and uh, recommend meditation to anybody who really wants to get in touch with themselves to make important decisions, etc., etc., I went into a series of very deep meditations. Now, in my contact uh, for my prior two books, I have a lot of contacts in the world of spirit, and mm-hmm. they have guided me through and helped me write books and do all sorts of things like that, and I really trust this. It may sound strange for a person who's been involved in mainstream radio, television, theatre, film, and whatever, but we are all essentially, as I've found out, spiritual energies having a human experience. So my spiritual mm-hmm. advisors and helpers on the other side uh, came to me in my meditations with uh, support and told me what they suggested and they would like me to do, and that was to basically combine my holistic and my mainstream medical practices. And Mm. I was a bit dubious about all this. I said, well, there's no Mm. way in the wide world I'm ever going to have chemotherapy because my intuition (laughs) said to me, no chemotherapy, Barry, this is it. And um, I listened to my intuition. So the, uh, the advisors came back to me and said, no, 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 we happy with that one. What we want you to do is to combine holistic practices and we'll help you with contacts and help you in, in many different ways to establish all of this and do it with radiation. And after mm. that, we want you to do that because we want you to write a book. And I hadn't even mm. thought about writing a book. I mean, at this stage, I'm just battling with the whole concept of being diagnosed mm. with cancer and what the hell do I do next? Um, mm-hmm. So here I'm being uh, given spiritual advice on, we want you to write a book about it. And I thought, oh, okay, well, fair enough. Um, <laughs> afterwards, I, I, I realized why, and we can go into that maybe a little bit later on. But 
Mm-hmm. That was how it all started. I did not go into this whole thing with, oh, goody, I've got cancer, let's write a book about it. You know, that wasn't right. the attitude at all. The whole thing was it emerged from my, my spiritual advice through a series of deep meditations and mm-hmm. um, trusting my sources because they've never let me down in the past and um, I trusted them. So that was my course of action. Yeah. Well, your cancer was in your throat. And, of course, I'm I'm reading your bio and I'm going, well, this must have been traumatic for you to be in the instrument that has provided you a career. And yeah. uh, so how did you feel about that? Did that scare you or? Well, I mean, the whole thing is when you're diagnosed with cancer or any other potentially life-threatening situation, the first thing you go through is fear. And that's a, that's a natural, that's, that's a given because that's the way we're programmed. Oh dear, you know, something bad is going to happen. Let's jump into fear mode. And, and once again, my, my meditations help me with that. Uh, but I rationalize everything through fear. I use the acronym for fear, F-E-A-R, which is false evidence appearing real. And once mm-hmm. you start analyzing and thinking about all the fears that we've faced in our life, and most of them, are genuinely uh, able to be just put aside, and you think, oh, back up, why was I, why was I afraid of that? That was just, mm-hmm. that was just going to happen. Um, of course, yeah, the fear of being run over if a bus is coming at you or a runaway truck or something. Yeah, sure, that, that's <laughs> a real and present danger. But the fear of something that might happen is certainly not going to uh, help you in any way to get on top of the situation. So I was able to get through all of this fear, and that was the first um, stage that I got to. Yeah. Well, it's almost, when you hear the words, you've got cancer, you almost get this, are you kidding me? Kind of, (laughs) are you serious? (laughs) I mean, it's like it's so separate from you. uh, At least that's what I experienced. Did you not experience that? Oh, of course. And that's part of yeah. the fear thing. What what on earth is going on here? Um, mm-hmm. Why me? You know. Um, but it, it's a, it's a natural reaction. But but once mm-hmm. you can get through that, and then right. start to take some steps for yourself, rather than throwing your hands up and and, and as I had maintained all through the, the book and all through my subsequent treatment, and that as soon as I mm-hmm. started to get involved and accept responsibility for the fact that. I created this, and yeah, sure, I mean, you mentioned the fact before about having it in the throat and yeah. being a broadcaster and a voiceover person, et cetera, et cetera. I um, immediately thought, well, heavens above, this, this is a, uh, a potential career-threatening thing. I never ever thought it was going to be a life-threatening thing, Joyce. I never ever was afraid or fearful that I was going to lose my life out of it. I just sort of had this inner confidence that I was able to get on top of the whole thing. But there was always mm-hmm. that thought, of, oh, my God, what happens if I end up with a raspy voice and never able to continue my radio program? My radio program, Radio Out There, by the way, Radio Out There. Yes. And mm-hmm. um, I thought, gee, if I can't even continue that, let alone some of the other work that I do, I, I narrate documentary films and all sorts of things like that, um, mm-hmm. I thought, well, I suppose I can always just keep writing and everything like that. But, <laughs> you know, once a broadcaster, always a broadcaster, Joyce. You know what it's like. Yeah. You get in front of that microphone. Here I am. I feel comfortable. I'm in my own little studio <laughs> here. And, and this this has been my life for a long, long time now. So yeah. <laughs> to give something up like that, it really is. Yeah, it really would be a, 
a life changer. But you did, as you said, you have many other talents with the writing, and the book is so beautifully written that uh, it's really very interesting to read it and see how you've expressed yourself in so many of these different descriptions that you gave us. So when, when, and I love that it, you were going to talk about the, the two other important people in your life and how they interacted and sort sort of supported you through this, because it certainly takes the whole family. So we are going to go to a short break now. And when we come back, Barry will tell us more of his journey. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. It's marching Everyone knows you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. But who wants to catch a fly? Flies are squick and repulsive. Flies have two wings, while all other insects have four. And they beat their wings 200 times per second. That's faster than a hummingbird. Flies jump up and backwards when taking off with an average speed of 5 miles per hour. What's the word for that annoying buzzing sound flies make? Fretinancy. Pestologists tell us that flies' favorite color is red. Flies have kinesophobia. That's the fear of movement. So simply hang a plastic bag filled with water to keep the flies away. My only question would be... Would a fly without wings be called a walk? It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. When the critters get restless here in the apple tree of weirdness, there's only one thing that calms them down. It's the sounds of astronetradio.com. just hate it when someone starts a sentence by saying, don't take this the wrong way, but according to Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal, we all do this on occasion. Some people refer to these phrases as tee-ups. That seems fitting. What do you do with a golf ball? You tee it up and then give it a giant wallop. Tee-ups like, to tell you the truth, supposedly soften the blow. But if you are taking the trouble to announce your honesty now, maybe you've been telling too many teradiddles, flummery, and fiblets. Being on the wrong side of a tee-up can be confusing for the listener. What are other words for confusion and frustration? Wouldn't dream and jargoggle. Maybe it would be best to try to remain pricknickety. That means totally above board and precise. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome, welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Barry Eaton as he shares with us his journey through cancer. He wrote this book, After Getting Guidance, that that is The Joy of Living. Oh, dear, Barry. Um, postponing the afterlife. Sorry. Um and in this book, it's so interesting the way he wrote it. 
including himself and his partner and his son. How was it, Barry, when you when you shared? I know sharing with the family is always kind of a sensitive area because you don't want them to hurt. You don't want to be scared. Did that go fairly smoothly with you? Well, it did, Joyce. I mean, fortunately, Anne was with me. So we, we don't live in the same city. I, I moved to the country a few years ago for various reasons, and we commute mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, she has to stay in Sydney for family reasons. But um, mm-hmm. we, we were coming and going a lot, and she happened to be with me at the time of the diagnosis. So she oh, that's great. Stages. But then she had to yeah. go back to Sydney for a while, and for work reasons. And uh, my son, Matt, who is a journalist, works for the ABC, actually, in Brisbane, so he was with me at that stage. So when it came time to write the book, um, mm-hmm. many months after the whole thing uh, had uh, had wrapped up, and obviously I survived it because here I am, uh, when we decided <laughs> to get down to actually writing it, uh, I thought, well, it's, it's really important to go through not only my side of the journey, but also Anne's, because she was an integral part of the whole path, the whole procedure. And mm-hmm. I can't overemphasize the incredible impact and the, the, the wonderful presence that a loved one has at this stage. It's absolutely vital, Joyce. And mm-hmm. the, the caretaker or the caregiver, whichever term you choose to use, uh, <laughs> is such an integral part of the healing journey. And Anne being there and keeping the feet on the ground, because when, when you uh, are diagnosed with something like this, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not sure about your own experience, but when you have a, a diagnosis of something that is so threatening, you tend to sort of go back into your shell and everything uh, starts to close in around you and you focus on your own problems, your own um, attitudes, uh, your own direction, how you're going to handle things, everything like that. So you, you tend to become very self-focused. And this is where having a caregiver is just so important. Somebody who is there... Mm-hmm with love and support, support just to be there, but also to help you keep your feet on the ground because it's hard enough for them because they've got to give up so much. And Anne had to give up uh, a lot of personal stuff, including uh, several months of work to come and look after me, which was fantastic. Mm. So I I really appreciate that. And and having her there and Matt, my son, my daughter is also a psychologist, and and she came, she's a, a... mad uh, <laughs> academic, not mad academic, but madly busy <laughs> academic, I'm just saying, <laughs> she's not crazy, uh, she's got to use a psychologist, um, but no, no, she's very, very busy, but she uh, she plays her part in it as well, so having family, yeah. whether it's you, your, your partners, your, um, your sons, your daughters, mm-hmm. your parents, mm-hmm. your siblings, whatever, it all is all so important, so when it came time to write it, I thought, we've got to put other people's point of view here and as well. I was delighted to find uh, afterwards so many people have commented, this is the first time anybody has ever done anything like this to their knowledge. I thought, wow, that's interesting. Uh, Because mainly you get a memoir, which is a kind of autobiography or whatever, or even a biography, which is written about that person and that person alone. And the other people, of course, creep in with uh, with their, their stories as well. But to have it from two viewpoints, of the same situation. This is mm-hmm. why we decided to do this. And, you know, I, I hope that you agree, but I think it works very well. 
Oh, I loved it. It was just, it, yeah, it just, because we don't all see things from the same direction and we get different reactions to what we do see. So I think it was really great. Now you, how did they accept the, the message that you got through your leaders of deciding to go combine the holistic and the modern medicine? Much less well, your doctors. Um, yeah, they do yeah. that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that wasn't uh, easy. <laughs> that wasn't easy. But no, look, <laughs> my family, uh, my extended family, um, apart from my son, who's also very spiritual, uh, they all mm-hmm. sort of uh, expected me to turn around and say, no, I'm not going to have any mainstream medicine. Uh, I'm going to go off and go on the mountains and find a cave and sit in there and meditate <laughs> and eat raw vegetables. And they sort of come and collect me a few few months later and sort of uh, plant my body in a grave somewhere. Uh, I, I, that's exactly what they thought was going to happen. So when I eventually informed them all of my decision to combine holistic and mainstream, there was sort of this collective sigh of relief. Oh, my God, thank heavens for that. We don't necessarily believe in the alternative, but at least he's having some kind of medical treatment. <laughs> But At least he's being Anne. open <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. But Anne's yeah. fine because she's a very highly spiritual person. In fact, Anne and I met when we were both working at a Mind Body Spirit Festival 17 years ago. And, oh, um, yeah. yeah. That's great. We were both doing readings there, as a matter of fact. I, I've been uh-huh. combining my, my spiritual, my psychic, and various other words. I've been combining that with my my mainstream broadcasting and, and, uh, and radio and, and writing and everything like that. I've been combining that for about the last 28, 30 years or something like that. So it's, uh, it was wonderful to have Anne there. Anne is a, a wonderful exponent of numerology. So she's able to mm. put everything back to numbers, whereas being a trained astrologer, I relate things back through planetary situations and positions and aspects and whatever. So when we combine the two of them, we find the same kind of information emerging, which is fantastic. So we can talk mm-hmm. the, the language. I've learned a lot about numerology from Anne, and she's learned a lot about astrology from me. So we're able to mm-hmm. help each other. And her ability, her spiritual uh, uh, abilities and uh, understanding of the situation and everything like that, and she's a natural healer as well. So, uh, Oh, my goodness. It was a wonderful, it was a wonderful combination, Joyce. Let me yes, sounds like it. Now... Which came first, Barry, the the radio business, the love of that, or your love of the spiritual side of you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. <laughs> I, I used to wag school when I was pretty young to go and watch radio programs being recorded. <laughs> Would you believe? Yes. That's how old I am. Uh, when, when I was a, a kid at school, that was still uh, television news in its early days, and uh, they were still having... Uh, radio programs with audiences. So I used to go and wag school and go and sit in the audience and then go and annoy the radio stars afterwards with their autograph and things. So I, I've been wanting to be in radio for a very, very, very long time. So it, it was, I guess, something that was ingrained into my subconscious. Mm-hmm. And so did you know at an early age though that, that you had this this intuitive side and psychic side? No, did you know really. that? No, I didn't, but uh, as the years went on, I used to get readings from various people, and then mm-hmm. back in the 80s, I was doing a, um, a callback show on commercial radio here in Sydney, and I used to get various guests came on, 
and I had numerologists and astrologers and psychics and whatever, and they would they would be part. I mean, there was a big guest list. They weren't the only people, uh, but they, they and whenever they came on, uh, the switchboard would light up, and there'd be people everywhere wanting to get readings from them, and it really piqued my interest in the whole thing. And mm-hmm. so when I had a marriage breakdown in uh, 1990, I decided mm-hmm. that I was. I told the guy who was the astrologer on the program, who was also an astrology teacher, I said to him, um, I'm going to come and do your astrology course next year. And he said, you're what? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to do your astrology course. He said, well, where did that come from? I said, I don't know, but um, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and that was the beginning. I'd already had the interest. I'd, I'd really loved learning about it. And, and I'd, I'd worked with a guy for quite some time who was giving me various lessons and and helping me understand right. a lot about the nature of the universe and spirituality, spirituality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So mm-hmm. when I did the astrology, that was the door that really led me into a whole new field. So then I was able to combine both sides of a choice, uh, the whole area mm-hmm. of uh, the metaphysical, which then expanded, of course, and I believe that was probably my true path. And mm-hmm. uh, radio and, and television, everything like that, that combined with everything. So it's, it's all about communications, really. Mm-hmm. Now, you share in your book some of the details about how you combine these through through visualization and relaxation techniques. Yeah. Um, uh, could you share one of the treatments with us or how you yeah. work this into your treatment? Yeah, sure. Uh, the whole holistic area, I, I knew that I was going to have to face up to 35 sessions of radiation, 35 sessions. Each one was going to take me about 35 minutes lying on this tray, and yeah. uh, I, I was doing as much preparation as I could, and as I said before, my spirit team on the other side said they would open doors for me, and they did. When I realized yeah. that I was going to have to be strapped down because of the cancer in my throat, I was doing this... Uh, on, on a machine called a TOMO, T-O-M-O machine. Mm-hmm. And this is a very finely tuned uh, area of, of radiation where a computer reading, uh, or computer setting, I should say, is, is uh, set into the machine so that it targets just a very, very, very fine area. And the oncologist yeah. was able to target it around my vocal cords so I was able to keep my voice. So, But I knew that I was going to have this great mask that was made, and I had to go through the whole thing of having a mask made, and I described that in the book, The Joy of Living. Quite a weird mm-hmm. sort of sensation. But the mask was going to go across my face, across down over my neck, of course, and the shoulders, and it was sort of like a, a, a mesh, but it had this edge around it, which was then bolted onto the tray in which I was lying. It was like an MRI machine. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm yeah, getting and, and claustrophobic. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's your choice. That's exactly how I was feeling at the time. Oh, my God, I'm going to be claustrophobic here. So what do mm-hmm. I do about it? Well, um, my friends up there on the other side, they had really anticipated this. I've got to tell you, this is a, a lovely story. They have okay, Jerry, wait. I have to go to break now. I just hate to do right, this because well, I'm into your story. You yeah, want it. Okay. So let's go quickly to break, and then we can come back and not interrupt your story. How's that? Okay. That works? That works for you? Yeah, so we'll do be. that, and then we'll come back. I'm I'm settling with this idea of the mask over the face. That's I'm hyperventilating here. Okay, <laughs> we'll be back shortly for Barry's story. 
transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Are you kidding? Sergeant Mambo here reminding you, you're listening to AstronetRadio.com. evening in 1929, William Lear and Elmer Wavering of Quincy, Illinois, were out driving with their girlfriends. One of the girls suggested it would be even more romantic if they could listen to music. The guys liked the idea and started tinkering with installing a home radio in the car. They sold their idea to a radio manufacturing company and applied for a loan with a local banker to get production started. Thinking it might sweeten the deal, they installed one of their new radios in the banker's vehicle. Unfortunately, the banker's car caught on fire and they didn't get the loan. They must have felt like Dunder Clumpins. Not giving up, they drove to a radio convention and sat outside in the car with the radio blasting. Soon orders were pouring in and taking a cue from the Victrola because their radio was going in a car. They called it the Motorola. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wave. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Now we are back, and Barry was just getting ready to tell us after he shared with us this mask that they had made for his face. And uh, so, Barry, complete your story. Tell okay, us about this. Okay. Well, this, this whacking rate mask fits across the face, the neck, down to the shoulders, and they actually bolt you down onto the tray, and then the tray slides into the, the big donut, same as an MRI and various other scanning machines, mm-hmm. and then you lie there while they set the, the uh, targets, very fine-tuned uh, thing through, through time mode. So it takes about five or ten minutes to check and double-check the settings and everything. So you're lying there with this mask on, and you can't move. Now, I mm-hmm. anticipated, as you mentioned before, the first thing that I thought is, oh, God, claustrophobia and breathing problems, because I quite often have breathing problems when I'm lying on my back, I have to lie on my side. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to lie on my back for 35 minutes and breathe and not move. Yeah. So, as I said before, my spirit team on the other side had obviously anticipated all this, because several months beforehand, I received a, a message from a lady called Judith Richards. Judith turned out to be a wonderful hypnotherapist who specializes in trauma, and she's helped oh. so many people. Fantastic. She's just a brilliant mm-hmm. person. In fact, 
were only yesterday and it was a birthday and we had a lovely chat. But mm-hmm. that's another thing. So I went along <laughs> to, see, to, to see Judith uh, to help me get over this whole thing. Now, Judith contacted me out of the blue prior to this to appear on my radio program. And she said, I have never done anything like this before. I have no idea why I did it. It just came to me. I had to contact Dara Eaton. And she did. We had the radio interview. And then when it came time, I was able to contact her. She put me through this fantastic um, session, hypnotherapy session, which Mm -hmm. just prepared me absolutely brilliantly for this whole session, all these 35 sessions I was about to have with radiotherapy. Mm -hmm. And she just allayed all of my fears and just prepared oh. me. But, um, That's wonderful. The, the most amazing thing in all of this, Joyce, I've got to complete the story in this one, is the fact that as part of this hypnotherapy, she said, do you realize that you subconsciously believed, and it came out in the middle of, of the, um, uh, the hypnotherapy session, she said, you subconsciously believe that you deserved to have this cancer, and also that you deserve to die. And really? Said, yeah. Oh. And I said, well, my God, well, that's certainly not my conscious mind saying that. She said, no. Yeah. But right. somewhere, somehow, this is programmed into your subconscious, and we're able to release that thing. Now, it, it occurred to me afterwards, I wonder how many people, and she said this is quite a common thing, by the way. This, I, I was not the only one. I was not some, some kind of weird, strange person that the only times it ever happened to me. Apparently, it's quite common. And Hmm. I thought afterwards, I wonder how many people go into life-threatening health situations or whatever and and don't make it. I wonder how many of them have a pre-programmed subconscious saying, you deserve to die, you deserve Mm -hmm. to die, you deserve to die. Mm -hmm. So they just give into it and just fade away. I mean, there's no way of proving any of this. There's no way, but it's just an interesting thought that crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Well, those subconscious thoughts are just always so, you know, we're so surprised when they do come out, and yet they send so many uh, disastrous messages to us, and we all have them. Well, it's not only that, but we, we are run, basically, by our subconscious. Our, our yeah. conscious mind is, is a very small percentage of our daily activity. Our subconscious rules everything from... You know, the mm. heart beating, the, the breathing, every single thing that goes on, this is all part of the subconscious. When you start studying it, it's quite a fascinating area. Yeah. Well, now, you were getting, you were, I'd ask you the question about if you could give us some details about the visualization and the relaxation techniques that you used. Yep, yep, sure, sure. Well, once again, this is where my daughter came in to the whole thing. I was having a talk to her and saying, you know, oh, I'm not looking forward to these um 35 uh, radiotherapy sessions. Uh, this was before it all started, of course. And she said to me, well, look, you know, why don't you just do some visualization? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, God, that's right. And she said, and beforehand, as part of that, do your relaxation exercises. Start with the top of the head, relax, right down to And I'm thinking, how stupid am I? I mean, I learned this. <laughs> I went to acting school many, many, many years ago. Back just mm-hmm. after Noah got out of the ark, I think. But anyway, um, this was part of our training. You learn to relax before you go on stage. And the visualization techniques, I ran a spiritual development group, and I taught people visualization techniques. But it's just <laughs> going to show to us how when you get into a situation that takes you away from your normal sphere of activities, 
and and puts that stress in there, how mm-hmm. some things that are really obvious just get completely ignored or you don't even think about it. So when Beck, my daughter, said to me, look, just do your visualization, I thought, yeah, relaxation, visualization. <laughs> so I did, and I've written about it in the book in uh, great detail, but it helped me so much because as I was being prepared and they're, they're doing the, the 10 minutes of you're lying there bolted in and they're doing all the fine-tuning and saying, oh, we won't be long down. I'm relaxing. I start the tip of my head. I do the relaxation, feel all the muscles mm-hmm. relaxing all the way down. And you, if you're really having a problem, you can do this yourself at any time with a meditation or, or just to get over stress. Start at the tip of the head, end up right down at the toes, and you just visualize and relax all your muscles and everything all the way down. And mm-hmm. I, I do this with group meditations that I run. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, yeah. of course, not even thinking about it for myself. But I did that. And then in the visualization, then the tray would slide in, and I'd say, okay, bye, we're starting now, and off I would go. In my visual, I traveled, one of my favorite places. Oh, you traveled. Paris. Oh, you did? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the year before, Anne and I had had uh, another visit to Paris, and we had some wonderful times there. So I went yeah. back to Paris and, and relived some of our beautiful times there and went through galleries and, and went through museums and, and had wonderful French food and <laughs> all sorts of things like that. So that was my visit. In fact, one of them, I, I mentioned in the book, but um, one of them, I was enjoying breakfast in a lovely little um, cafe that we eat in regularly in Paris. And mm-hmm. I, was ha- I was halfway through my omelette, and they said, and all of a sudden, the tray slid out, but they finished, and I started unboxing, and I said, hang on, guys, I haven't finished breakfast yet. <laughs> oh, that's cruel. <laughs> and they said, oh, look at me, is this guy going nuts or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having this breakfast. Yeah, well, I... Everybody else can't wait to get off the train. Here I'm saying, hang on a minute, I haven't yeah. finished breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it is so... It is so amazing how powerful we are and how much we can really change experiences. I mean, I could just see that visualization of the breakfast, um, you know, and, and how powerful that must be to have just taken you away from that that metal bed that you were laying on and all that. Well, mask, right. yeah. the mask, yeah, for sure. The mask, the now, bed, you do talk about yeah. in the book about taking some responsibility for your treatment. And and can you sort of expand on that a little bit? Certainly can, Joyce, because I think this is one of the most vital things that I can recommend to anybody. And and I do emphasize that what I say in the book and what I'm saying on, on, on your program is my journey. I'm not saying that everybody has to do what I'm doing. But right. it starts off by taking some form of responsibility and this is the most important thing. It's no good turning around, in my opinion, and saying, oh, God, I've got cancer. Oh, doctor, do something. It's, it's your problem now. I'm, I'm going to sit back here. You do it all. Because that's what most people do. They mightn't do it in those words, but they do it. And, oh, I'm giving all of my power away to the medical system. But mm-hmm. if you can take the attitude that in some way I created or co-created this medical condition in some way, then, once you can accept that responsibility, then by not giving your power away, by retaining that power, you can have a hand in the healing process and taking mm-hmm. some form of responsibility. 
obviously not the entire responsibility, but some form of responsibility. Now, I wasn't sure at that stage how my cancer evolved. With throat cancer, the first thing they say is, are you a smoker? I said, no, I've not, never been a smoker. Are you a mm. drinker? All apart from a glass or two of wine with dinner, no, I'm not a drinker. So then mm -hmm. uh, they come up with all sorts of other things. Now, my subsequent research, um, post-treatment uh, search, revealed that basically I do believe tobacco smoke was the catalyst for my throat cancer because mm. I, for many years when I was working as a, a radio and especially a TV anchor, I was a TV sports anchor for quite a few years on ABC television, and I was invited to MC many, many events by, and I was sponsored by a large cigarette company. Oh, and I was the MC. Yeah. I was the only non-smoker in a whole ballroom of all these sports people. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the atmosphere, of course, was absolutely chock-a-block for yeah. tobacco smoke. Here I That secondhand smoke can get smoking. you. smoking, exactly. Now, mm -hmm. the, the Cancer Council... Um, the American Cancer Council, I quoted in the book, you know, says that this is a definite cause for mm -hmm. cancer. Definitely. Now, yeah. when I think back of all of those smoke-filled rooms that I worked in, uh, yeah. I, and then I asked my, uh, my guides on the other side and they confirmed that this, this was the reason. Now, this was mm -hmm. afterwards. But beforehand, it's getting back to that responsibility. Once yeah. I knew that I had somehow, and I wasn't sure how, but somehow I had co-created or created this whole condition in myself, right. I could then take some form of responsibility and do something. Instead of saying, doctor, doctor, heal me, heal me, I yeah. was going to work out what I could actually do, what input I could have. And in yeah. my case, it was combining the holistic and the yeah. mainstream medicine. And the very well, Barry, I have to break in because I have to say goodbye oh, and I don't right, want right. to because you're so <laughs> fascinating. But I do want people to go to your book, to buy your book, The Joy of Living, um, the postponing the afterlife because Barry's book is so, it just shares the story from three different people's viewpoints. So Barry, Thank you so much for sharing your book with my audience. And I I really loved your journey. And I look forward to speaking with that Australian voice again sometime. Well, that's my pleasure. If anybody wants more information, my radio, radiooutthere.com is my website and my radio program. It's all on there. Great. Right. Well, thank you very George. much. We appreciate it. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Notice that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all cringle crangled and jitterty jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. 
Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. When the critters get restless here in the apple tree of weirdness, there's only one thing that calms them down. It's the sounds of astronetradio.com. Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. His journey really was interesting in that his cancer was in his throat and he very kindly went through the whole process in his book allowing us to see his cancer and how he treated his cancer through his loved ones through Anne, her reaction and through his son and his daughter and certainly through his eyes and so it gives us an insight that is quite unique to any other cancer book that, you know, it affects everybody in the family, everybody around you. And whatever we support that we give or we get, whether we're the cancer carrier or the protector of, um, it's very interesting how it plays in our lives. So it's a unique perspective of his cancer story. And then also, because Barry was also intuitive and had the spiritual side to him, he wanted his his treatment to not just be with modern medicine, but a blend of modern medicine and holistic. So that, I'm sure, was, as he shared with us, sort of an adjustment for the medical world as well as his whole family thought that he would definitely want to do it holistic. In closing, he shared that, you know, we all have to take responsibilities. Maybe we unknowingly knew that we were in a space such as he talked about secondhand smoke because of his um, broadcasting shows, um, sports shows. But there is some responsibility we all have because of the disease, in which it means that, not that we caused it, but we were, were because of our environment, 
it may have caused the cancer or started the cancer gene in our bodies. I know for me that I have gone through reevaluating like sugar. Sugar is an amazing food for the cancer and it it feeds it. So for me, I've made diet changes, eating more greens, stopping the sugar and so forth because it's just like putting poison in your mouth. And because I have had the red flag and successfully today do not have it flying, I still need to take action to change my body, some of the things that I put into my body and also doing the exercise. So it was very interesting to share with you this book, and I encourage you to go to your bookstore, go to Amazon and buy The Joy of Living, Postponing the Afterlife. Uh, Barry has written a very good book, easy to read, full of great information. Now, before we close today, I want to share with you again that you can also go to Amazon.com and get my book, Joyce Buford, Effortless Happiness, How to Find and Ask for What You Want in Your Life. And it was the tool that I used in my transition after my divorce, helping me get clear about who I was. I really encourage everybody that this is an important part, important part of getting to know who you are when you go through transitions, as we all do every two or three years, you should revisit what we call values. What are your values, which we get a lot of these values from our family members or from other, or we just come with some values. So we must realize that we are individuals and these values will change according to what we're doing. When I was a mother, a very busy mother, I'm still a mother, but I'm not involved because my children are now adults. But my life has changed because of that. So my values are different. My children aren't on my top five values. They're certainly in my life, and I love them very much. So I encourage you to go to Effortless Happiness, which is listed on Amazon.com, and you can either download the Kindle version or, because it is a workbook that you can actually write in and walks you through the processes of finding your values, you may want to order a copy so you can actually write in the book. Well, this is my encouragement. This is my word for you this week. I always look forward bringing a show to you that could maybe change your life or at least open a few doors. I loved being with you this week and sharing Barry's story, Barry Eaton from Australia, Sydney, Australia. So thank you very much for being with us today, and I hope you have a great week. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 